0: Are you ready? We're going to do most of Hebrews chapter 5 today, but we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 4 because those numbers don't really fit right. <laughs> so Hebrews 4:14. Remember, the, the writer of Hebrews has been talking about how Jesus is awesome. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Whoa. Jesus is just great. And so because of all of that, Hebrews 4.14, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. I love I love how he says that and why he says that. Let's hold fast to our confession. Let's let's stay Christians. Let's hold on to our faith. Not so that you won't go to hell. Not so that you can see your great aunt Sally someday, even though your great aunt Sally is great and you want to see her in heaven. She is not the reason to go to heaven. Not so that someday we can, we can see God and see all the things we did were right and we can see how proud he is of us of always doing the right thing and we can mm, on our enemies. No! Anything else other than Jesus, he is the singular object and person of our faith and if there's any other reason to hold on to our faith, it's idolatry is worship of a created thing and not the creator to whom be praised, right? Jesus is the reason. So since we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Remember the other thing I said they're going to say a whole lot in in Hebrews is staying faithful, holding on to your faith. Don't be driftwood and just go along and think that your faith is going to wash you along the way you want it to be. Be one of these cypress trees that just sends out roots and holds down and is like, I am going to grow in Christ. I'm going to grow in him. Verse 15, we do not have a priest, a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, but was without sin. Let us then with great confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help him in the time of need. Jesus is our high priest. So the high priest is the guy that's between God and people. There's only one, and it's Jesus. Throughout Old Testament history, there was never more than one high priest. There was only one. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But Jesus is ours. And he was tempted in every way that we are tempted. And so he can sympathize with us. Okay, so some of you are in this kind of club. I suspect most of you are, but your clubs are a little bit different. The club that I am in is mid 90s camry owners okay i had a mid i had a 96 camry i had it for 20 years y'all so when i walk through a parking lot this happened this morning at the donut bank i walk through a parking lot and i see somebody getting out of <gasps> a 96 toyota camry and i know why their driver's side window is rolled down? Because that's one of the second. That's the second thing that breaks. Now that's the third thing that breaks on a mid '90s Camry. And I don't judge the guy. It's 23 stinking degrees outside, and he's got the driver's side windows down. I know why. Because that's broken, and I know it's broken because the second thing to break is the door handle on the driver's side. In every mid '90s Toyota Camry you see the door handle will be a different color than the rest of the car because they pulled it from junkyard. The first thing to go bad is the flex mount that goes to the muffler, to the engine, which is why I can spot a Toyota Camry from about three miles away and I know exactly what it sounds like because the same part of the muffler always breaks. So I am in this secret club. So when I see somebody else in the secret club, you know what, I do the secret handshake, which isn't really a handshake, it's a secret greeting. Oh man, how many miles do you have on that car? And they respond, because they're in the club too, 238,000. Like, yeah, I had a 96 Camry, with, and then I rattle off my numbers, and we have fellowship together. This same thing happened to me, I. Got a credit card out of college and they said, if you sign up for this credit card, uh, we'll give a certain percent to your college as an alumni donation and we'll send you a windbreaker. And I was like, that's cool. I want an Indiana State University windbreaker. So I sign up and they send me a Cal Poly Pomona windbreaker. I did not even know what Cal Poly, how I can't even say it. Cal Poly Pomona, I didn't even know where that college was. The internet didn't really exist at this point, so I couldn't even look it up. But it was green, and I like green instead of blue, so I kept it. Walking through Eastland Mall one day, and this lady comes up to me, Sir, sir! And I turn around, and she goes, Did you go to Cal Poly Pomona? She is so excited, you guys. I go, oh, No! No! I I got this windbreaker free from a mistake with a credit card. Oh, she was not happy. She thought I was in her secret club, right? And for a split second, she had a choice to make, right? Cancel me out, doom forever, or maybe just Be polite, right? It's Christmas time, full of life and hope and love and family. So let's be nice to this guy. Oh, I'm sorry. I went to Cal Poly and it's the smallest, most expensive little tiny school in California. And I couldn't believe anybody in Evansville would wear such a thing like that. Would be from that school. My name is, I don't even remember what his name, her name was. My name's Susie. I'm like, good to meet you, Susie. My name's Dan Sullivan. She goes, oh, this is my husband. And he's so-and-so. And she tells me his name. And I'm like, that name is familiar. What is that guy's name? And, you know, talk, small talk for a minute. And uh, they, they go on their way and I go on my way, right? About a week later, I'm at work at Citizens Bank. And I get on the elevator. And who's on the elevator but there's Susie. And she's like, Dan. And I'm like, Susie, how are you? She's like, do you work here? And I said, yeah. She goes, my husband does too. He's the CEO. I'm like, whoa. I had, at that time, I had a cup that coincidentally had Hebrews, had the book of Hebrews printed on the whole cup. So I can sit at my desk and read the book of Hebrews all at my desk. She sees this. She's like, oh, are you a Christian? Yes. You should come to my church. My son is preaching on Sunday. What? Now, all of a sudden, what are we? We're in the club again. We're in the Citizens Bank Club and we're in the Christian Club. Long story short, I went to their church. It was really cool. All that business. That lady saw my little Cal Poly Pomona in a huge, busy mall tracked me down and wanted to talk to me because I was somebody, she thought that had been where she had been. So when you think I'm going to go to Jesus and I'm going to pray, I want you to flip that around because when you come to him, he's like, Oh, That's Jim Carnahan. He's been on earth. I've been there. I want to talk to him. Jim, how many miles you got on that thing? Oh, did your door handle break? Mine too, dude. Mike, did you get tempted to steal a hubcap? I was too. They didn't, didn't even invent hubcaps, but I know the feeling. Jesus is excited. To talk to you, it's not just, oh, Jesus just doesn't know. I'm afraid to confess this sin. I'm afraid to talk about this thing. Jesus already heard your car coming from two miles away. He spotted the logo on your shirt from all the way across the mall. And he is excited to be with you. So when it says we can come boldly before the throne of grace with confidence, this is Hebrews uh, 5.16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He is so excited to see you. I uh, I know I've given too many examples and too many examples drive me crazy. I gotta give one more. Can you guys imagine what it's like to be in Turkey, be in Istanbul, Turkey, and you're in the airport and everything is confusing and you don't know what you're doing and the letters and the alphabet are weird. And all of a sudden you hear somebody with a Texas accent speaking English. You're just like, Texas. You can hear them all the way across the concourse. I mean, you can spot, you can be like, there's an American over there. I might be in Istanbul, Turkey, and I am an idiot, and I don't know what's going on. I don't even know how to captive five in this language, but there's a Texan. He's my friend. He might, he might not be my friend if I met him in Texas, but in Istanbul, Turkey, he is my bro, right? That's Jesus. That boldly, with confidence, we can come before the throne of grace. And Jesus will welcome us like this complete and utter stranger from Texas will welcome me in the Istanbul airport and say howdy with so much warmth and affection. yes. That is the throne. That is the throne we come before. All right, if you still don't get it, here's Romans 831. This is where Paul is writing to the Romans to say, God is so for you and he wants to be with you. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God wanted to be with you so much that he gave up his one and only son. I'm not like, I got five kids and I'm not going to give up any of them. God only had one. And he gave him up To be with you, to restore a relationship with you. So how much more if he gave us his son, how much more is he going to give us everything else? Is there anything we need to worry about? Oh, is this going to be taking? Oh, are these people going to like me? Oh, what if I fail? He is going to take care of us. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is only God who justifies. There's only one Redeemer in the whole world. There's only one person who can save us, and that's Jesus. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. He's at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Right now, Jesus is interceding for you. Right now... Whatever sin you do, whatever temptation you have, Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are all saying, go, go, yes, yes, okay, yes. Wow. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Nothing. Nothing. will separate us. That is how hard he has grabbed on to us. That is how much money he has paid in the price of his son to win us and to have us. So every high priest, this is Hebrews 5.1, every high priest is chosen from among men and is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. No priest ever said, I want to be a priest. I'm in charge now. Every one of them was chosen and appointed by somebody else. Sometimes God himself. It's kind of cool. Even Jesus was appointed like that. Jesus did not call himself Philippians 2, right? Equality with God was not what he attained for, but instead he humbled himself and became a servant, obedient all the way to the cross. Jesus didn't come and say, all right, y'all, listen up. I am the Messiah. He said, your will be done, Lord. Your, Your will be done, Father. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward. No need to raise your hands. Since he himself is beset with weakness, because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. So they're talking about the priesthood of Aaron. Where the priesthood of Aaron that Moses, you know, made the priesthood, made the law, that guy that's going to come, that one and only high priest has to come and offer sin, a sacrifice for his own sin first. And then he goes back out and he gets the sacrifice and he brings in a sacrifice for all the people. And so when he's sacrificing for all the people, he already has on his hands the blood of the sacrifice for his own sins. Right? It's like when you wash your car and then you give somebody a ride that smells real bad. And you're like, I just cleaned up my car and now they stunk the whole thing up. God didn't set it up like that. The high priest is going to carry in his own. He's going to be fully weighed down with his own sin. Wow. I caused the death of this animal by my sin. And then he's going to carry in everybody else's. That's why Paul would say things like when you correct somebody, take heed lest you also fall because you we're all susceptible to it too. Verse five, so also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but he was appointed by him who said, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. These are all quotes from Psalms that were written by David, who was prophesying a thousand years earlier about the coming of Jesus. Oh, how's that for a while? In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears. Did you ever wonder how Jesus prayed? You know, the disciples said, Jesus, John taught his disciples how to pray. Will you teach us how to pray? And they have written down the Lord's prayer. That wasn't the only way that Jesus prayed. He prayed a lot of different ways. And one of them, he offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Some people think this is only talking about Jesus in the garden. When he prayed with such passion and ferocity that blood came out of his skin. Wow. Like he was sweating, and he was just under so much stress and grief. I think he prayed like that other times too. Not... not the bleeding and stress and grief and all that but loud cries tears remember how he cried when he saw the Lazarus was dead remember how he stayed out all night before he chose the 12 apostles he he labored in prayer prayer was a a very um, active thing for Jesus although he was a son he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect or complete, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Okay, so now we got to get a little bit weird with the Trinity. And whenever we talk about the Trinity, I just want you to put your weird cap on because it's going to get weird. He's fully God. Creator God. He's man, so he's limited. in his power in his knowledge, and his abilities. And he can direct and guide and be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And he's all the same being, all at the same time, all the time, continually. And so Jesus, the man, it says he learned obedience through what he suffered. Which makes you think, okay, wait, there was something he didn't know. He's Jesus, who's fully God, so he knows everything. But there was something in his humanness, in his tangible meat flesh, that he had to learn, and had to be educated in. Uh, Jesus was not born. This always cracks me up when you see the Christmas cards or Christmas pictures, and there's little baby Jesus, and he's just like a tiny man, and he's like blessing people. Like, no, the dude cried. The dude pooped himself, he did not know how to eat, he might have had trouble latching on, I mean, he might have been not been able to sleep all night. He was a baby. He was fully, 100% baby. Wow. He had to learn how to walk, right? It's not a sin, this is what always cracks me up, it's not a sin for a baby to cry. To say Jesus never sinned doesn't mean he never cried. You get into all that nonsense that sin means to miss the mark, like not to achieve something. He never rebelled against God. That's what it means that he didn't sin. It's not rebellion against God to not know how to walk and to fall over. So he did that. He learned all that stuff and he learned obedience through what he suffered. He was made perfect and complete. So whenever we say, well, sure, he did that. He was the son of God. Well, sure, he did that. He was the the physical embodiment of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but he was a man. He was a guy. And he had to learn stuff. And that's what made him perfect. And then verse 10, being designated by God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. We got to spend a little bit of time talking about Melchizedek because it's totally out of left field. What in the world? All right. So Abraham is going into the land and he goes into the land and there's, there's Sodom and Gomorrah in the east. And there are these big flat plains and Lot, his nephew, and, and the, all their sheep are getting mixed together. And there's too many people. And they're like, dude, we need to split up. We, we're, we're, we're too, it's just too crowded here. Lot, where do you want to go? And Lot sees the big city and the neon lights and whoa, yeah. And Lot says, I want to go to the city and he goes to Sodom and you know how all that worked out. Abraham goes out into the wilderness. God says, this is the promised land. I'm going to give you everything. It's all yours. In the meantime, all these kings come. They attack Sodom. They drag all these people away. Abraham gets his army. They go and it's all awesome and it could be made into a movie and it would be really exciting. Abraham gets all the people back, beats all these people, just pillages and plunders and becomes richer than ever. And on his way back, runs into this guy out on the plains and it says, we don't know where he came from. We don't know who his parents were. We don't know who his descendants were, but he was a priest of the most high God. And In this generation of people, Abraham is the only person who has ever heard of or spoken to the Most High God. And so for him to run into Melchizedek in the middle of nowhere, who is a priest of the Most High God, is like, wow. It's like me walking around Eastland Mall with the Cal Pomona windbreaker on. Like, what in the world are you doing here? I didn't know any of you existed. And so Abraham gives Melchizedek a tenth of all the stuff that he got from this army. And he says, you're a priest. Remember what a priest is? The person between you and God. And so he says, Melchizedek, since you are a priest of the Most High God, who I also serve, you're the only other person I've ever met in the whole world that follows the God that I follow. (laughs) Right? Pretty significant. I'm going to give you a tenth of all this plunder. And then Melchizedek disappears. And we never know what happened to him. We don't know a thing. Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob has Levi. Levi has Kehoth. Kehoth has Amram. And Amram has Aaron. And coming out of Egypt... Aaron, descendant of Levi, gets made a high priest. And he's given the whole Levitical law, right? Because Aaron is a Levite. So six generations after Melchizedek, a high priesthood is established. So to think that Melchizedek is a priest, like anything in Leviticus, is wrong and off and messed up. Okay? I... I I pound on that a little bit, because if you do internet searches, the Mormons have this whole bizarre teaching about Melchizedek, that he was a perfect Levite, and there's six generations wrong. So I want to stress that. Melchizedek was six generations before the law was given. So to be a priest in the order of Aaron, or Levi has a whole law with it, right? 613 laws. Remember last week it read the 39 categories of Sabbath laws and how crazy all that was. Melchizedek is not a part of that law. He's an older, older priest. And so when God makes Melchizedek a priest, he's making him a priest without the law that's a key thing here god makes aaron a high priest under the law jesus comes and he's a high priest he's in the tribe of judah he's not in the tribe of levi (gasps) he is a priest in the order of melchizedek free from the law isn't that wild how all that fits remember everything we talked about in acts and everything we talked about in second corinthians Jesus freed you from everything and taught you everything that Moses couldn't do with the law because Jesus goes back further to Melchizedek. Listen to this. Exodus 29. I'll consecrate a meeting, a tent of meeting in the altar. Aaron and his sons, I'll consecrate. They'll serve me as priests. I'll dwell among the people of Israel. I will be their God. They will know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, and I will dwell among them. And all the people said, don't dwell among us. Just deal with the priests. We don't want to face talk to you face to face. So from the start, that priesthood was broken. And it would not help people get close to God. So what happens if another priest comes along? Remember, a priest is whoever's between you and God. If Jesus is your priest... and he's god there is now no body between you and god nobody so we have instant access this all goes back we can come before the throne of grace freely and boldly and confidently we can go to jesus with all of our problems because the mediator that that gives us permission to talk to god is god He is sitting at the receptionist desk waiting for us to come in. He's actually standing outside the front door watching for us. Actually, he's running out into the parking lot and jumping in our car and giving us hugs because he's so glad we're just in the parking lot. So all of that ends with the end of Hebrews 5. About this, we have much to say. I've already said too much probably. And it's hard to explain since you've become so dull of hearing for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. And he kind of goes on. All of this, if we really grasp how close Jesus is to us and how much he wants to be close to us and we live in that we will grow spiritually and we'll be ready to talk about the deeper things of God but that one little simple profound thing is huge right and everything sits on that so let's pray Lord we thank you and we praise you that you want to be around us so bad That you really like us. That you so liked us. That you would come and give yourself as a sacrifice for our sins. And restore a relationship that we could never restore ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would drive this home in our souls. And that we would walk and approach every circumstance and every person. With the reality that you are our high priest and you are the one and only we love you lord amen all right let's stand and sing number 88 together